Hi, have you ever had anything in your life where you were just scared to death about what was going to happen? Well, I'm going to tell you the story today about a young man who is in that very type of a situation. This young man was actually born in 1890, and when he was 13 years old, he was running home from school, and he fell, and he skinned his knee. It was his left knee. But it wasn't a big deal. It didn't even cut, rip his pants. And so he went on home. He didn't think much about it until later that evening when he was about to go to bed. He noticed a little bit of pain in that knee and it was starting to swell. Well, that didn't stop him from doing his nightly habit that had been ingrained within him from his parents since he was a little boy. And he kneeled down on the floor and he said his prayers and well, the next morning when he woke up, the knee was in a little bit more pain. But they were a farming family. There were six boys, a mother and a father. They were frontiersmen. And there was no doubt that he still had to get up and do his work. And being 13 years old, he was used to a little bit of pain from time to time and didn't think anything of it. Just went about the day and, and, and got his chores taken care of. Well, the knee progressively got worse. And he knew he probably should have told somebody, but he was just busy. And again, being a young boy, he didn't think about it perhaps as much as he should have. That Sunday, his family went uh, to church, but he stayed behind. He just could not move around enough to, to be able to walk. And so he stayed behind and he sat in the chair in the living room and a rocking chair. And he looked through the three family Bibles every week that the boys would take turns doing a devotional one night. And so he thought he'd get a head start on that. And he was looking through a Bible. The, fa the family Bible was a German Bible in German, but there's also a Greek Bible that was his father's pride and joy. And then there was the, the Bible, King James Bible, that the mother and the boys would use. And that was the one they would read from when they had their devotionals. Anyway, the pain got to the point where he just couldn't focus. And finally, he just drifted off to sleep until his brothers came home. Well, Sunday was the parents' day off, and so the brothers would all go with the parents to Sunday school, but then the boys would typically come home while the parents stayed at worship, and the boys would prepare the big meal for the week, and, and that week was no different. They prepared the meal, but by the time it was ready to eat, the boy could no longer stand the pain, and he went upstairs to his room, and he literally had to cut his shoe off of his foot. His foot was so swollen now. The, the infection from the knee had just gone up and down his leg, and now his leg was just black and blue and terribly swollen. Finally, he told his parents about that, and his mother came in and doctored it as best she could, but they sent for Dr. Conklin, the doctor from that area. And he came and he looked at it and was extremely concerned about it. And, and he just said, I don't know if we're going to be able to save it. Well, the boy at this moment became very intense. He said, what do you mean? He said, we may have to amputate it. And he said, you're not cutting, cutting my leg off. And the doctor said, well, the longer we wait, the worse it's going to get and the more we're going to have to cut off. And the boy just let him know, you're not cutting anything off of me. 
Well, the doctor took the mother and the father out into the hallway so he could talk with them, and and they heard the boy call for his older brother, Ed, and he just just was screaming, Ed, Ed, come up here. And so so his older brother came up, and a moment later, he, he disappeared from the room and went downstairs and came back upstairs, and the mother said, what are you, what are you getting for your brother? And he said, a fork. He wanted to bite on it to, to try and uh, handle the pain. Well, the doctor let the mother and father know that that the leg was probably going to have to come off. Well, while he was out there telling them that in the hallway, the boy was telling his brother, Ed, you got to promise me that you will not let them cut my leg off. And so Ed promised. And Ed came out of the room and he just stood there outside the room with his arms folded (laughs) to let them know he was on guard. Well, this was very unusual for any of these boys. That was really the first sign of of any kind of defiance from the boys towards their parents. It was unknown in that household. But but the boys were firm and 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 the boy had told his older brother, look, if if they try and, and, and cut my leg off, even if if I am out of my mind with pain, don't you let them do that. And so Ed promised and Ed guarded for the next two days. Well, the doctor came back and and looked at it, and and the termination was made. But Ed was absolutely not going to allow it to happen. And finally, the boy's father just said, well, let's just see what happens. Well, at this point, the doctor literally just stomped out of the house. And as he was going, he shouted to them, you're murdering that boy. And he slammed the door. But before he said that, he told them it would take a miracle for his leg to get better again. Well, that was the point that the mother and the father and Ed all just kind of looked at each other. Had they forgotten their faith? The boy's grandfather was a farmer minister on the frontier, and he was very prominent in the leadership of the church there for a number of years. And he was a strong believer in prayer, and he passed that belief on to his children and to his grandchildren. And at that point, the three of them, the father, the mother, and Ed, all got down on their knees, and one at a time they started to pray. Well, this went on for a couple of days. They just maintained the vigil there at the boy's bedside, praying that God would intervene for them. And every once in a while, one of them would have to get up and tend to chores and things that needed to be done around the house. But the second night after that, the other boys started coming in, and they would kneel beside their parents and take their part in the prayer. Well, again, this went on for several days until finally... One day, the doctor came by, and and he looked at him, and his practiced eye told him immediately that there had been a change. The swelling was starting to go down. Well, the boy's fever broke, and he was starting to get lucid again. It took a while, but after three weeks, that boy was able to get up out of that bed and return to his life of going to school and and chores and everything else. The family was convinced that it was their faith in God, and it was the prayer that not only saved his leg, but it saved his life, because indeed, had the infection continued, it would have eventually taken his life. 
Well, that boy went on to 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 a, a number of things during his life. He, they lived in Abilene, and he was to become the captain of the high school football team. He was a local hero there. He had had a dream for a long time to go to the Naval Academy at Annapolis, but when he was 20 years old, he found out that he was too old to enroll at that point. But he wasn't too old to enroll at West Point, and so he did go into West Point, and after several years, he was able to to graduate from there and, and came out as a second lieutenant. Well, about that time, World War I was beginning, and this boy did his service when Al, a man, did his service in the United States. And he, he took care of a number of things. But one of the interesting things he got to do was he got to oversee the first tank division, the training for the first tank division in America. Well, after the war, he had ascended to the rank of captain now, and he liked being in the military. Obviously, since he had gone to West Point, it was something he was determined to make a career, and he made quite a career of it. When World War II started and all the conflicts that that they went through from Pearl Harbor in 1941 to the conflict with the Germans later on in Europe, this man now started to have a more and more active role. As a matter of fact, He was in on the planning for the invasion at Normandy on June the 6th of 1944. He actually got to be in on part of the planning for for D-Day. And it was the invasion of Normandy that really did start to turn the war in Europe. It took another year for them to actually make it all the way through France and into Germany. But this was really the pivot point in that. And this man who nearly didn't live to see that day, got to take part in it. Well, after World War II, he stayed in in the military for a while, and a lot of military people were starting to get more and more involved with politics. And in 1948, the Democratic uh, National uh, Party actually asked this man if he would consider running for president. Well, he had no interest in that whatsoever, but he did become president. He did come out of out of the military to become president of Columbia University. And then four years later, when the Republican Party came to him, he said that while he would not actively pursue the presidency, if he was nominated, he would not turn down his duty towards that. And he was nominated. And Dwight D. Eisenhower, this one that had been a 13-year-old boy on the brink of death, now became the president of the United States. Well, the reason I find this story so fascinating was because of the faith of his family. Now, we, we know Dwight Eisenhower was not a perfect man, but he certainly was a, was a great man in many ways. And he was a man of faith. But it was because of the faith of his family, of of his mother and father and brothers, as they prayed for him those days on end, that probably was the deciding factor in getting him to that point to where he was able to not only to survive, but to actually become the president someday. Let me ask you this. How serious are you about prayer in your life? Do you think that's something for children? Do you think it's something for the superstitious, for people who have to have a crutch to lean upon? 
Or do you realize that prayer is our opportunity to entreat our Heavenly Father, the Creator of the universe, for His help? In James chapter 5, and verse 14, it says this, Is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders of the church and there to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, back then, this oil had several purposes, but one of them was for for healing. It says, And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. So prayer is not just for getting well, but it's also for asking for forgiveness, isn't it? And then he says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And then in verse 17, it has one of, I think, the greatest points in all of Scripture. It says, Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruits. Well, if you remember the account of Elijah from the Old Testament, he did indeed pray that it wouldn't rain so that the people would see their need for God and come back to God. But the interesting thing is not only did God answer his prayer, but it wasn't just because Elijah was some kind of a special man, a super spiritual giant. In James, it says he was a man just like us. Sometimes we still discount the power of prayer. Sometimes we get to the point where we'll even utter something uh, along these lines. Well, I guess the only thing we can do now is pray, as if that's the least we could do. Asking for God's help is the very best thing at the beginning, at the middle, at the end of any crisis. We need to be praying to the one who has the wisdom to see what we need but also the power to supply that, if it's his will. I realize God doesn't always do what we want him to do. He doesn't always heal when we think that he should, but that's God's part of it. Our part is to go to him and ask him for help, and he'll give us what we need. An important part of faith is believing that he'll always give us what we need, even if it isn't always what we want. And it's in stories like this one, true stories like this one of a young boy by the name of Dwight D. Eisenhower, who not only was healed, but was healed and spared so that he could do amazing things for not just a country, but for a world that really needed his leadership. Would that have ever happened if his family hadn't prayed? In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5, it says this, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything pray. There's a lot of things we're anxious about in our lives. In our, in our personal lives, we do have times of sickness. We have, we have difficulties that we go through. We have heartbreak that we go through and that those we love go through. We have financial difficulties from time to time. And then on a much bigger scale, we'll see problems occur within our communities and, and also within the nation and the world at large. 
Do we remember to pray? Or, or are we just nervous about it? Are we scared to death over what might happen? One of the beauties, I believe, about being a Christian is the fact that we don't have to worry about anything. That doesn't mean we're not concerned about it, but we don't have that unproductive worry that keeps us awake, that tests our faith to the point where it sometimes breaks because we just become so keyed up and, and so distraught over what might be. It's when we trust in God, knowing that he has the power to make any situation what it needs to be, and we ask him for that help, and that we remember to make that request known with thanksgiving for even listening to our prayers in the first place. <laughs> we're a privileged people. He created us. If he were to withdraw his breath, we wouldn't even exist. We need to be more appreciative to God, and we need to be more aware of who he is and the power that he has, and we need to take advantage of that power. The Eisenhower family did, and it not only benefited them for the short term, restoring Dwight's health, but it benefited in the end the entire world by sparing this young man so that he might be raised up to do some pretty great things. We are concerned, many of us rightfully concerned, about the state of our nation and the state of the world right now. Are you praying about it? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says this, First of all, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godless godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Are you praying about the state of our world right now, the state of our nation, the state of your community, your family, and your own personal life before God? We really do need to take advantage of this opportunity. We have the the gift of being able to talk to God at any time that we would like to talk to him and through thanksgiving present our request to him and if we're wise we'll trust him enough to know that he'll take care of it in just the right way maybe not the way we want or expect but in just the right way are you taking advantage of that are you using the power of prayer it can do amazing things if you'll let it or you can just kind of leave it for those whom you consider weak and superstitious, and you can live your life with your own struggles, trying to deal with them on your own. That's a pretty hopeless existence. But the hope comes when we, re when we recognize that God looks down upon us, that he loves us, and that he's waiting to help us with anything that we rightfully need if we'll only ask him with thanksgiving and prayer. Well, that's the lesson for today. I hope uh, you enjoyed it. I hope you found it interesting. By the way, if you did, do me a favor, subscribe to the channel. It will get it before more people. If you have any comments, please make those. I always enjoy the comments, and I always try to answer them as soon as I can. But until next time, I appreciate your being here today, and I pray that God will richly bless you as you seek to serve him the best way you can.